I think it's actually it's Baker's fault. It's Baker's fault. Baker's fault. It's Baker's fault. It's Baker's fault. Really, Baker fumbled the ball. <laughs> the Rashad White fumble. I think Baker was. That was Baker for sure. Drop that. Drop that shit. If Baker had been blocking. If only we <laughs> get his ass down there already. Baker Mayfield is the sweet D of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Anything that goes wrong is blamed on him. Pirates we are born, pirates we still be. We live on our ship, out on the sea. We rain and plunder every water gets in our way. That's what happens in every pirate day. Buck Bros, welcome back to the podcast. Buck Bro Ryan here, and glad to have you back, guys. I want to welcome my fellow Buck Bros, Zach, John, and Bryce. I'm glad to be back after the holiday break we took. It's been a couple of weeks, and I'm excited to talk football with you guys, so let's get right into it. We have a couple of games to go over after we took a little holiday break, so let's start with a very Merry Christmas, and let's recap a little bit of the Jags game. Probably, again, a best effort. We came off high after the Packers game, and we kind of solidified that high with the Jags game. What was your take on the Jags game as the Bucks moved then to 8-7? and seven? Hey, Brocasters. Happy New Year to you all. Glad to be back on the podcast. Um, yeah, the Jags game, I think, obviously our first win against a team with a winning record this season. Uh, although the Jags were kind of in free fall, they they had lost three in a row going in. We had won three in a row, um, and I, it looked like a team. It kind of looked like a game where those that momentum for each team matched what we saw on the field. Uh, the Bucks really just came out, took it to the Jags. Their best effort on I think both sides of the ball this year, just really really solid football. Uh, defense made plays, turnovers. Uh, Devin White showed up. AWJ was all over the field on the offensive side of the ball. Baker had another great game. No turnovers there. Uh, Mike had a big game. It was a great Christmas Eve in Tampa Bay, and I'm glad we got to experience that. Um, you know, I know you. We were watching with the fam, Ryan, and really just kind of set a for a good evening into you know the presents opening and Christmas Eve dinner. So I really enjoyed it. Um, Great win there to get us to eight and seven. I thought we looked phenomenal. Um, I had a ton of hope coming out of that game that we might be able to win out, uh, lock up, you know, maybe even possibly the number three seed with the way things were folding in the other games. And, you know, it, it looked great coming out of that game. And I, I thought everyone played very, very well. And we looked prepared for that game. Yeah, they looked like a well-balanced team heading into the postseason. It reminded me of some of the games towards the end of the 2020 season when we were really starting to round into shape and into that championship form. Uh, it was great to see. Uh, all three facets of the game looked great, um, really riding high. It was it was very nice on Christmas Eve to have stress-free football really quickly because that game, certainly by halftime, you felt like, okay, uh, these are going to be happy drinks, not stress-induced drinks. Uh, so I was very thankful for that Christmas present from the Bucks for sure. Uh, I had really two notes from the game myself. One was it seemed the Bucks went as Baker goes. Those four games that he had the stretch 
probably his best stretch are the four games that we won. So, and especially in, you know, the Jags game, he had a phenomenal game again. And it just seemed like the offense was cooking. And like you said, Zach, on the defensive side of the ball, my second point was that it looked like that 2020 defense that we saw in the playoffs, forcing turnovers, getting after the quarterback, and the offense was working with the turnovers. 21 points off of turnovers was a hell of a mark by the team, and it looked like we were firing off all cylinders. So it looked like we were heading into a great new year with that win, uh, a great Christmas Eve win. But here comes New Year's Eve, and now we've got to talk about this most recent game against the Saints. The Bucks fumble uh, a chance to sew up the NFC South division, and they lose to the Saints in a pretty miserable format, so not a great way to ring in the new year. Guys, let's talk about our Saints game and hopefully get some uh, get some frustrations aired out before we head into next week. You, you got to let Baker play. And whatever that overly conservative nonsense that we went with for the first 90% of that game was was all that's all on coaching failing to get away from the run when you know it's not working is all on coaching when your receivers are dicing them up continuing to let you know Devin White get on the field despite the fact that he's having probably one of his worst games of his career knowing that benching him has proved to be effective in motivating him I we failed to do anything in that game and then as soon as in crunch time we needed to let the ball fly. We looked like we couldn't be stopped. We were going up and down the field, and with it, without Trey Palmer's fumble, which was essentially, you know, a, a microcosm of the whole game, we stormed back and win that game pretty easily. Um, and then the game ended on what was just one of the ugliest scripting calls of the year, which was calling back the two point conversion well after the end of the play, well after everything was done. We had already set up our, our kickoff team. Um, that was about as ugly as the, the Lions Cowboys game it. And I've said it in weeks past, it is getting hard to watch the NFL. If those are the kinds of things that are going to keep happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, his feet were definitely out of bounds on that two point conversion. So I can't say that that's a script that kind of happened, but, um, yeah, what a complete letdown this game was that the high of Christmas Eve to the, the low of New Year's Eve going into now 2024. Uh, quite a dichotomy there. But, yeah, I, I mean, for it, you know, I think Todd Bowles addressed this in his post-game conference. You know, the coaching has to be better, absolutely has to be better. And, I mean, we've been talking about this on this podcast for a, a decent amount of the season, especially in the mid part of the season where we went one and six, right, where it's just – you know, the coaching decisions and and what they're doing in practice or how they're preparing, you know, it's showing up on the field. And I agree with you, Ryan, and the fact that this team obviously is going as Baker goes. If Baker has a great day, we have a good chance to win the game. Uh, if he doesn't, which he didn't have a great game again for this one. Um, I mean, what did he have, like 40 yards in the first half? Was, uh, did the offense have 40 yards in the first half? It was something abysmal. One of those, it was just, they came out so flat uh, to start the game. It, it was hard to watch. Uh, the offense for the Saints marches right down the field, scores a touchdown. You'd like to see a response. We got nothing, right? 
Um, just complete, you know, the offensive line's not blocking, so there's no running lanes for the running backs to get through. Um, Baker's looking a little antsy in the pocket because he's getting a lot of pressure and he's not making the throws he needs to make too. I mean, I don't even know if we targeted Mike in the first half, maybe once or twice, but we were not using our best players the way that they should be. Um, couldn't get off the field on third down. Everything that could go wrong, right? This was the Murphy's Law game. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, turnovers three on their side of the field. Uh, the pick by Baker in the first, the second quarter, uh, the fumble by Rashad White as we were driving and looked like we were picking up some momentum uh, there in the third quarter. And then obviously the backbreaker with Trey Palmer catching a 50 yarder and then the ground causes a fumble, but nobody had touched him. So they get to pick the ball right back up. So uh, frustrating game. Uh, fortunately for the Bucks, all they have to do is win against the Panthers and can lock up the NFC South. Yeah, it, this is a game where they did, you know, everything that we asked them not to do, uh, and and they did it. Uh, I mean, four turnovers against none, right? That's very difficult to win a football game at any level. Uh, so the fact that you lose by 10 and you gave up, you know, three turnovers in plus territory, I mean, that's it's a testament to the team's ability to hang in, I guess, because they probably deserve to lose by more than 10. Uh, Baker obviously was not there in the first half and it kind of had shades of like a Jameis effort of, you know, we got to get this thing going here. We got to get going. And so Baker began to pile up yards and stats in the second half because he just became a volume shooter, uh, which is great for, you know, his yardage incentive or whatever, but, uh, didn't really amount to much defensively. Uh, tackling was obviously not a concept they were familiar with for most of the game. Uh, arms. I mean, I watched Devin White try to tackle someone with his palm. I don't know how you could ever do that. Devin in the Jaguars game was such a bright spot, and it was so refreshing to see him return to form. And, you know, they the stats came out that he had 30 uh, pass rushes in that Jags game, second to only Kalijah. He was rushing the passer more than almost anyone else. And in the Saints game, I don't know if that number was dialed down or what, but he did not seem as effective. But it seemed like they found something in the Jags game just to make him just as a utility guy. But he was a waste of space on running plays and passing plays. He was just always in the dust. Uh, I felt really disheartened to see that performance overall. And I guess hopefully we can say that was last year and maybe move on and just throw it away. But they have to really get ready for this next week because they've, they've put themselves into a box and hopefully they can get out of it. Yeah. It's funny you say it, it kind of reminded you of a Jameis effort. Cause that's what I was telling myself at halftime, you know, you're down 17, nothing. I'm like, here come the bucks of old. We're going to make it kind of a game and you're going to get a little bit of an investment. Uh, and then nothing good's going to come of it. Uh, the difference between that one is this one didn't really even get that close, you know, Bryce kind of said it when we even had opportunities, we fumbled them away. So this was, I mean, in my estimation, nothing, nothing like everybody said, all facets of the game. We didn't come out to play. Defense didn't come out to play. Baker didn't come out to play. Nobody came out to play. And that's the preparation and the coaching uh, first and foremost. So 
Special teams didn't come out to play. I mean, what were those punts? Camarda, like? yeah. I mean, they exactly. were awful. They were awful. Camarda did have a terrible, terrible it, game. And it's crazy because he's been so consistent pretty much all season. And then I'm like, what happened? It was like, like a team bug, man. It just affected yeah. the whole team. I, I mean, it was the entire team was just so flat. And I mean, they even they even kind of admitted to it at the post, like, "Hey, we just came out flat." Levante was like, "We came out flat. I don't know why." You know, like the division's on the line. This is your division rival, right? Like, you're you're. We play the Saints twice a year. They're our biggest rival. I mean, we're talking about all the cheap shots they take on us. Like, you'd think you'd be fired up to beat this team, shut this team up, and to see that performance and that kind of effort um, is it is disheartening. And it's it just goes right back to coaching. Like, what were you guys doing? Were you preparing for this? It was interesting because I was reading that like the Saints used one of their like eleven fully padded practices on Wednesday to get ready to, for this game, so they could you know be bring the physicality to it. And yet here we are, kind of doing walkthroughs. Now again, it's worked all December, right? We were four and zero going into this game in the month of December, but uh, you know. Going into playoffs and having that kind of, hey, like, you know, th- it takes another level of, you know, physicality and, and desire if you want to make, not even just make the playoffs, but to do something in the playoffs. And to see that, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say. It makes the, me wish we were going on the road in the playoffs. The hungry dog runs faster. I think we were fat off of four wins and that Saints team needed the win more than we did. That's how it seemed. I mean, they came ready. That's the best they've looked in a while. I mean, that Long that time. Saints team is middling. Like they 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 put together essentially a full four quarters, which I don't think they've done in some time. Uh but yeah, hopefully we can bring the level of intensity we had showcased in front of us uh you know, when we go up to Carolina for unofficially our first road playoff game of the season. We can send them home. We can end their season this weekend. So it's about time that we do it. They need three losses across the board and to get a win to put this away uh, to for them to even make it as a wild card team. So let's just beat the Panthers and send them home for the season. And that'll cheer me up with these fucking Saints fans. I mean, we also have the opportunity to seal it for ourselves. So let's also be a little selfish in that motive as well. Just going back to the coaching on the Saints game, the one point I remember texting this to the group was just the play calling. It left something to be desired for sure. I don't know. It seemed like Canales had found his stride in the past couple games with the Packers and the Jags games going so well. Maybe that's just the turnovers that were forced or whatever. But for some reason, whatever game plan that they came out with on offense was not working. And it's a testament because Baker had such a poor half, 43 yards at the end of the half is just awful. It's just awful. I think it's like a compounding thing. With It seemed to be compounding with Baker because it wasn't working and he was getting pressured. And then you could just see it that he was, he had the yips and he wasn't, he was double clutching. He had no confidence because it hadn't been working. And now he's like, well, I'm under duress. I'm not throwing picks. You could see he was just like, I'm going to end up eating this. And he wasn't, he just wasn't slinging it. And it's uh, unfortunate because we know what he can do when he has the confidence to step up in the pocket and plant his foot and throw the damn thing. That's the that's the thing, right? Like, we should have had a script 
that's going to get him comfortable, right? Like give him some easy throws, give him something that's going to be there to where he's going to be like, all right, I got this going. And then I will let it rip, right? Because he does have the tendency when he doesn't or loses confidence to hold on the ball way too long. And then he's taking sacks um, or he's trying to force things. Now he's actually done a pretty good job at not forcing a lot this season. It's more about just taking the sacks, like not letting go of the ball. And then it's a, a compounding negative play. So, yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. The, the play calling or the script that they had left a lot to be desired. Um, that third down play in, like, the first drive where it was, like, third and one, and it looked like they had no idea where to set up or what they were doing. And, you know, Cam Jordan knows exactly what the play is going to be, right? Like, that's not good. You know, you want to be – you want to you want to use their aggression against them. So, yeah, just – as a play caller, you have to you have to be able to call it sooner than three quarters in that like this isn't working. Like someone has to be able to pull the plug on the on the on the script. I mean, you only script out so many drives anyhow, and then you're supposed to call the plays based on the game. I don't know what was happening, but they were not quick about making adjustments, and we weren't moving the ball with any real threat for way too long. Oh, it was clear too that there were things we left on tape that we did not <laughs> work through. Um, like Bryce said, there were things that the defense was reading and they were calling our bluffs and everything. Or a, a bump, like a wide receiver screen to Mike Evans. Why? Like, when does he ever do that? That is not who Mike Evans is. That's a lot of body to get moving quick. I, I just, yeah. I'm like, Dude. I didn't understand that call at all. I'm like, what, what is this? <laughs> He's the slowest receiver on the team. Uh, Certainly in the first five yards. He's fast, but you got to let him start running, right? right? Like, he can't just – that call baffled me. I was like, what the hell is that? What call is that? You know, furthering the point of, you know, Baker feeling uncomfortable, I thought watching the game, because the script went so bad in the beginning and he got the yips, his tendency to not force plays – probably limited the offense more than it needed to. And it wasn't until we got down to 20 to nothing and it was so late that he started airing it out and we started getting some plays down the field. So I feel like that might be a lesson to be learned on his behalf of, you know, if you get down early, you can't, you know, don't force things, but you can't also limit the offense. It felt like he was hesitant to pull the trigger in in situations that in previous games he might not have been. One one last thing I want to say though, uh, and I want to put one good thing out there. Uh, besides the stupid fumble, Trey Palmer easily had his best game of the year. It was about time he looked like the weapon we expected him to be. Uh, I, I believe it was Zach who said very early in the season that that we probably struck gold with Trey, and that might have been the reason we we took so long with with Mike and his contract. Um, and he has just not been there all season. He's had bad hands. He hasn't looked real good. Uh, but this this was a good looking game for him. And maybe he just needs to learn to go down. He was just trying to do a little bit too much at the end of the game there. Um, but yeah, uh, just much, much better performance from Trey. And we need him to come alive going into this playoff push. Just another key note, Trey Palmer was our leading receiver. So definitely a breakout performance for him. Let's hope he can continue it. And let's move on here. I've got a little by the numbers for you guys for the Saints game. And for this, I've got three numbers, and the linking key, if you will, the linking theme is that these numbers represent differences. Differences. Like a delta? Like a delta, yes. Okay. 
So the first number I have for you guys is 19. Uh, difference in first downs? No. Total plays? No, it's a, it's a percent. Difference of 19%. Is it conversion? They're down conversions? Yes. They're down conversions, which I was actually really surprised of because, Bryce, you said we weren't able to get off of third downs. I felt the same. But the Saints really only had a 44% conversion rate. So it maybe was a lot higher, though, before the fourth quarter when they were yes. just trying to run clock. That's true. Um, yeah. Because I was like, yeah, at some point it was like 8 of 12 or something like that. I figured it was influenced by the second half, but I was very, it seemed to me that there were a lot more third down conversions, but the Bucks 25% obviously lower. Um, so a difference of 19, negative 19 Delta for us. So the next number I have, I give it to you two ways, but I'll first give it to you in 796. That's a big number. 796? Or 13 and a quarter. Okay, T.O.P.? Yes, T.O.P. Okay. All right. Was that um, seconds? Yeah, it was. Seconds? It was okay. 796 seconds. Uh, the Saints had 38 <laughs> minutes of time of possession. 38. That's pretty good. Put that with a plus four turnover margin. It really feels like you controlled the game. <laughs> yeah. My third and final one. And that's setting us up here is 16, 16, again, percent. Completion percentage? No. Think a change of percentage due to the outcome. Oh, is that our like, playoff, playoff percentage? Playoff percentage, yes. Yeah. We had, going into the game, a 91% chance to make the playoffs. Mm. Coincidentally enough, it's only moved down to 75. We have... Three out of four chances to make the playoffs, but it did go down. So, yeah, we had a nine out of nine out of ten chance to make the playoffs last week. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. So that essentially means there's a twenty five percent chance we lose this game on Sunday. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yes, because <laughs> because uh, a loss <laughs> a loss means we won't make a wild card either because the Falcons and Saints play each other and they someone has to win that game, right? And like it is they, what? No, it is. It's possible. Win and in, or if the Saints and Falcons tie. Oh, we tie. Okay. So any, if we both tie, we're in, or if we win, we're in. Look, if you lose to the Panthers, you don't even deserve to go to the playoffs. Yeah, so if, like, that's if we get in on the tie, ugh. No I, I feel like that'd be better. I almost that sounds like it'd be way funnier for Saints and Falcons fans. Be like, God damn, you just had to win a game. <laughs> you guys couldn't even lose a game, let alone win it. Wasn't that like a couple of years ago where all the Chargers needed to do was tie the the game against the with Raiders? Oakland? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And then like Oakland kicked the field goal. They said and they <laughs> wanted to go for the tie, yeah. and then the Chargers yeah. took a timeout or something, and they're like, okay, well, well, they'll kick the field goal. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that reminds me of that game. Yeah. Well, yes, it was a 16% delta in our chance to make the playoffs. And this conversation actually leads to our NFC South tracker. Now, obviously, with our game, two NFC South teams are taken care of. The Saints and the Bucks both are at 8-8. Eight and eight. Other news around the league, the Falcons 
lost and the Panthers lost. So both of those teams move down. The Panthers secure the last, the worst record in the NFL season. And the Falcons, believe it or not, still have a chance to win the NFC South as they play the Saints next week. So there are they are still alive in the postseason race. I saw something today that if the Falcons beat the Saints and the Patriots lose to the Jets, then the Patriots would have the second overall. Yeah. Game. Because of strength of schedule. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. They're going to beat the Jets. They potentially could have Caleb Williams if, uh, or whoever the core, top quarterback is. Phoenix looked pretty good last night, so maybe maybe he sneaks up. But, um, yeah, so I, I think the Bears keeping Eberflus sounds like they'll uh, probably retain Fields and then. They were chanting for him. I was him. like, did you hear the chants? We want fields. I don't watch the Bears games. I, I can care less about that team. <laughs> That's I'm the five seconds I watch. watch the Browns games. Yeah. What do you mean <laughs> the Browns are a damn good watch team? Some random Blacko. Midwest team that I got. <laughs> I'm obligated to watch Browns. There's no effing way I'm watching some other Midwest team. Don't it's the like Browns have Big a shot? They have a they have a way to back into the one seed if not uh, anymore. Not anymore. The Ravens uh, won. Yeah, oh, that's right. Had yeah, the Ravens yeah. lost, they could have taken the one seed. Yeah. 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 Nope, the Ravens look good. Oh, yeah. Hot <laughs> take of the day. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to some other hot takes of the week. Let's go to what the buck, bro. Again, our biggest blunders and follies of the week. Uh, let me start with Mr. John. What is your what the buck, bro? Why does the NFL have to cheat and lie so badly? It really gets under my skin. They do this shit in like every fucking game now. And it's getting to the point where like it's not even funny to watch. You know, they they just downgraded an officiating crew and took them out of the playoffs. So they can't, you know, I it's bad. And I and I've told you guys before, I, I firmly believe that it has to do with sports betting. The league makes money off of sports betting, and that's a problem. And as long as that's gonna be the case. You know, they're they're going to take games away from teams that are winning and they're they're going to use the refs to do it. And you saw it all weekend and it was it was really, really ugly. And uh, I may not watch football much going forward if that's going to continue to be the case. Outside of the Cowboys Lions two point conversion, what other game was impacted? Just curious. All of them. All of them. OK, all of them. got it. Let's go to our next what the buck. Let's keep it in-house. We've talked about, much like we've talked about Devin White much on this podcast, Bryce, we've talked about Todd Bowles a lot. And and yet again, he shows up on our what the buck. What do you got to say about him? Yeah, Todd Bowles and Billy Napier, my favorite coaches to talk about uh, when it comes to this segment. Yes, he's back in to the what the buck, bro. Um, all the positive momentum that he had, all the, you know, Man, there's articles about how, you know, you know, he made some in-season changes and maybe he's finally kind of accepted some of the mistakes that he's made. Um, kind of, like I said, adapting, being a little bit more creative, aggressive, um, benching players that aren't playing up to their standards, a.k.a. Devin White. All these really value, you know, valuable things that have led to this win streak that we had in December. And all of that just for some reason goes right out the window in this game that we just watched. I mean, we talked about it kind of extensively already on our game review. Um, but 
You know, John just mentioned starting Devin White again, and he didn't have a good game, number one. Then Denon Bencham kept continuing to use him in the game, even though we've clearly shown that K.J. Britt is more than capable of being a backup for Devin White. Uh, two um, is the conservative play calling, if you will. I don't know if it's all falls on bowls, but he is the head coach. He should have had this team better prepared. He, again, just kind of fell into his old habits of just, you know, being more conservative, trying to rely on the defense. And it kind of showed. I, I honestly have more of a beef with him in, in the overall preparation and attitude this team had going into this game. It seems that every time, at least under his tenure, that we have some positive momentum going and then we get some national media attention. There's some real good vibes in the, in the um, you know, in the building and, and with the team. They just fall flat that next week. And then it kind of, go, you know, snowballs, if you will, Todd, into this, uh, you know, team that we saw in the middle of the season where um, they're just not a good football team. Um, hopefully I'm wrong. And we'll get to that here in a little bit. But Todd Bowles, man, for the last time this season, hopefully – what the buck? <laughs> it could be potentially two more weeks. Still, we don't know. Fair, fair. Uh, in any case, yes, Todd Bowles shows up again on what the buck. I'm going to do my what the buck now, and I'm going to bring an old buccaneer, my my dog's namesake. Uh, I don't. I know everybody here saw the towards the end of the game and after the game, the high fiving that Jameis Winston was doing with his Saints teammates on the sidelines i was not a huge fan of that because number one uh he didn't do anything during the game he sat on the sideline as it was described earlier to me was a perfect teammate whatever that is uh but he didn't do anything like he didn't earn those high fives you know what i mean so why is he sitting there and i feel like he doesn't do this with any other team other than the bucks it's just despite us like my guy we did everything we could for you and you threw 30 interceptions. You can't get mad at us that we said, go try somewhere else. And guess what? You can't even get a starting job anymore. Like I hated that. I, I didn't like Jameis in that moment. And not that I'm not rooting for the guy, but now I'm actively not rooting for the guy. So we paid him his fifth year option, right? Yes. Like that should be the, Hey guys, thank you very much for overpaying me. When most teams would have cut me before that vested, but yeah. Taysom Hill got more action as a quarterback in that game than you did. You know what I mean? Like Taysom Hill, you were a number one overall pick. The tight end, the guy who can't decide what his position is, had more opportunities at quarterback than you did that game. Jameis is done. Maybe that's all he's got left in the tank is high fives, bro. He's got nothing left. He'll never, he'll never start again. You know what I mean? His career is over. Fuck him. I mean, eating all those W's he did, I'm surprised he has fingers left to high-five anybody, you know? So. Yeah, I just want to say, I never rooted for him outside of a Bucks uniform. I disliked him in college. As soon as he was off my team, I disliked him with his team because he kept losing. Uh, and then I've disliked him even more now. Um, he's a clown. That's just all I got to say. His haircut looked great. I'll say something nice. He had a nice lineup. <laughs> Always saying something nice. All right, let's round out what the Bucks with 
probably the biggest news of the NFL. Uh, an owner lost his cool and happens to be the owner of the team we're going to play. Zach, what the buck? Yeah, David Tepper, second wealthiest owner, was the wealthiest owner until Walmart people got involved. Uh, yeah, um, look, he's a shithead. I think everybody knows that. Um, he obviously is is the kind of person who thinks that uh, he should be running the team just because he can afford to buy it. It has really set the team back. Uh, and I think this year we've seen um, his frustrations with his own incompetence kind of manifest out in public. We've seen him. I mean, he's the mopiest, most pissed off guy in every box whenever they pan up, probably because his team is dog shit and can't win any games. But he decided while at Everbank, I think is the name of the Jaguar Stadium, Everbank Stadium, to assault a paying customer and throw his drink at him. Just so you know, in Florida, that's assault and battery, my man. That's a misdemeanor. You could definitely have charges pressed against you, and I hope that that person sues you and uh, we we get to laugh at you a little bit longer. He's since come out and apologized. Take that back. He's since come out and said that he uh, regretted his actions. He did not apologize to anybody. He's, he's a passionate fan of his team. Yeah, wonderful. I think his team would be a lot better off if he was less passionate a fan and more just a goddamn owner. Just sign the checks. Uh, this isn't private equity. You don't know what you're doing. And you're ruining this team and making a jackass out of yourself. So, uh, And that's not libel. That's just fact, David. Uh, we all saw it, uh, and you confirmed it that you did it. So, yeah, uh, laughing stock, I think, of the owner's circle, which is pretty high bar to clear, but he's done it. And hopefully... We get to piss them off some more this weekend, and uh, I hope they enjoy that first overall pick that they've handed over to Chicago. I don't know. If I was the owner of the Bucks and I was at that Saints game and some Saints fan was chirping, I'd probably throw my drink on them. <laughs> get out of my stadium. Go home. Thank you for paying me. As the first measure, put a glass between this man and the fans. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm like, it is kind of crazy that that field has like open windows. Yes. Like, like, why is the owner of a team so close to you know a regular? I don't get that. Like, well, Brittany Mahomes just... did that. The Chiefs Stadium's the same way, right? She threw it out on the Bengals fans. Did they pour champagne on Bengals fans? Yeah, I think accidentally, right? But... Uh, sure. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> oh, accidentally. Yeah. Oh, the doubt. Yeah. Uh, uh, all I know is if I did that. If I was a Jags fan and I did that to David Tepper, uh, I would never be allowed to go to a football game again, certainly not at that stadium. And I probably would have been sued into bankruptcy, uh, just inequities in the American system, because he deserves to be punished the way he would punish someone else, which is he wouldn't. There is zero chance he would take that with grace at all. Uh, so I hope whoever got assaulted by him sues him. Hey, man, it's not like he was using asian slave prostitutes to get hand jobs drinking right let's that's not a start... victimless crime i think yeah maybe. oh it's certainly <laughs> for the slave runner um ryan cut that cut that uh, yeah the victimless part just boop our week preview is next thank you <laughs> so speaking of david tepper we are facing the Carolina Panthers in our final game of the season. And as we've stated throughout the podcast, this is a big one. 
it's a win and in kind of deal. So the Bucks need to come out with the right attitude, not at all like they did against the Saints. Let's start with Buck Bro Bryce. What is the key to the game for the Bucks to come and earn a playoff spot? The key to the game is the same key as it was uh, when we faced the Panthers to begin the four-game win streak a few weeks now, I guess, uh, you know, the beginning of this month. Don't lose. That's the key to the game. Do not lose. This is the worst team in the league. Um, obviously, we're talking about an owner who's incapable of putting a solid team together to hire a solid coach to keep himself composed during games. Uh, I mean, and that's just from the you know top of the organization. I mean, if we're just looking at the team, it's the worst team in the league, right? Um, Bryce Young just hasn't been that number one overall QB factor, but he doesn't really have a great, um, you know, crowd or a, a team to play with, right? There, there's nothing there about the Panthers that should give us difficulty other than the fact that it's in Carolina and it's a division game. Um, to be fair, the real keys of the game are – um, be more aggressive on offense, get Mike and got and Chris involved early, get Baker some easy throws to get his confidence up. And then on defense, get off the field on third down and create some turnovers. We do all those things. There is no reason why we shouldn't blow out the Panthers and crown ourselves NFC South division champions for the third year in a row. That's what I expect. That's what I'm hoping Todd Bowles does. He needs to let a naysayer know and Come out and win the division. Win the division. Don't lose. End of story. I don't know if there's a, a potentially sweeter feeling than at a divisional opponent, securing the division, having them have to cover their locker room with plastic because you're about to pop bottles and celebrate going to the playoffs and winning the division. Like that's That's got to be a big enough carrot to get them up, right? You want to go to the playoffs? You want to celebrate? on the road against a divisional opponent like that, that team that just beat your ass last week, do you want to send them home? Like there's so much, there's just so much juice here for the game. And they looked so flat. I just think they need to totally just ditch whatever, like throw that away. That had to be an aberration. Just get up. I mean, just get up for the game. Like this is, they've played this team a million times. They played them this year, eked it out. (laughs) <laughs> that was stressful. They know what they have to do. I mean, it's don't turn the ball over. B- be balanced on offense. Get Rashad White involved. Don't turn the ball over. Defensively, make tackles. Force turnovers. Like, all the things they know how to do. They've done them. In that four-game win streak, they looked really good. Just take pieces of all those games. Panthers are terrible. Like, they are a really bad team. And when they beat Atlanta a few weeks ago, that was in, like, a downpour. It's not. It's going to be nice weather. It's it's You know what it is? It's division clinching weather. It's going to be right there for them. Everything's in front of them. Just reach out and take it. I got one for you. Throw four touchdowns again. That's what we need Baker to do. We need Baker to go off, get another four touchdown performance, end the game. I want Baker to end the game on the bench, resting up. I want Mike and Chris and Baker high-fiving on the sidelines, chilling, while Trask and the nerds finish that game out so we can prep for the Eagles. That's that's what I want. If you could offer a team a layup of a game, this is certainly it. 
the Panthers are a miserable team. Um, but it's pressure time, right? So some people, this will be a great litmus test. And it's kind of like you said, it's our playoff, our playoff start now. Mm-hmm. It will be a great test for our team to see if they have the resolve to make the layup or not. And, you know, you should be able to play Kyle Trask and win against the Panthers. That's how miserable they are. And I hope you do because my preseason prediction depends on it. Play Kyle Trask so I'm right. Thank you. Hey, he's got bruised ribs, Baker does. So it's possible if he's not feeling 100% that you might get your wish there. Don't treat this as a layup game, though. This is what Zach said. This is your playoff. Come prepared. Um, do not take this team lightly, because if you do, they got nothing to lose for, right? You know, to Zach's point, they gave up their first overall draft pick to the, to the Bears. So all they're doing is playing spoiler. Um, so make sure you come prepared. You hear me, Todd Bowles? Get your team prepared. I know you listen to this podcast. Avid fan, the Bulls family, all of them can't get enough. Baker did say today uh, he's 100% for Sunday. Oh, yeah, there's no chance we see a contrast unless John's prediction comes true or John's hope, which is now my hope. But yes, Baker almost ruined his career playing through a shoulder injury. I have no question about his grit. I mean, he's going to go out there to his own detriment and play the game if, if it takes it. Yes. Come My prepared. concern is like if it does hurt and he can't put zip on the ball. And it's to the team's detriment. And it's short to leash. the team's detriment yeah. that you got to pull him. And, but I'm hoping that's not the case. I hope I see the Baker from all of December outside of the Saints game. That's the Baker I want to see. I want him to throw four touchdowns, John. I want you to hit on that prediction again. I'm just saying that looked like a pretty nasty shot he took um from tyron matthew late shot too um so hopefully he'll feel like you said like he said 100 percent ready to go all right well hopefully the bucks come prepared and all of those things the four touchdowns the turnovers the playing with discipline bucks come out prepared and get that win let's now turn it over to our fantasy tracker Obviously, we didn't pick anybody from last week, so we're going to count that as a bye week for us. Um, And let's go and first update off of week 16 and and see what the standings are. Zach? Yes, week 16. uh, Let's see. John scored 15.1 points. Jordan Addison, not his best week. Uh, Brought his grand total up to 442.96. Then Bryce. Scored 24.62, bringing his total up to 542.52. That's second overall. Ryan, big winner of the week, 37 points off of Brandon Ayuk and Rashad White. Brings his total up to 524.36. And myself, 32.6, thanks mostly to Mike Evans and his great game against the Jags for a total of 565.02. So just to reiterate the overall standings, in fourth is John at 442.96, followed by Ryan, 524.36, then Bryce, 542.52, and myself at 565.02. Heading into the final week of the season, that's where we stand. For the Bucks, 
I'm going to give John Baker because I know he's going to take him. Um, so that leaves me with three options, really. Um, Mike always comes up big against the Panthers, so give me Mike. All right. I will take Rashad. Classic. He's been a solid pick the last few weeks. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. I'm going Baker Mayfield. In a bounce back. Of course, of course. Uh, I'll have to take uh, CG14. Godwin. CG12 on Twitter. CG12, sure. 14 and CG3, baby. CG3. <laughs> all right. That makes me first in the, uh, in the, in all around, right? Correct. Yes, sir. I'll take Brees Hall. That's John next. Uh, I would like uh, Smith in Jigba. Okay. Hold on, let me make sure that's who I meant. That's the receiver for the Seahawks. Do you mean Njoku? Yeah, 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 that one. (laughs) Thank you. Yep. Okay. For myself, the theory the strategy is meaningful games this is a meaningful game the jordan love is playing for a playoff spot and actually legitimately because of that i'm going to take fields <laughs> i'm taking justin fields because i Chicago, can't believe he hasn't been picked yet damn yeah i think it's uh it's the perfect spot for him to come in and uh, break some hearts. Bryce, what you got? I guess give me Jordan Love. Oh, that's appropriate. Head to head. At least I'll have to watch that game now. Yeah, that'll be a good, fun game to watch. What is it? What is the deficit here? We're looking for 23, 24 points higher than Zach. 24, yeah. Yeah, Mike, 20, Mike and 23 Jordan and a half. Well. Yeah, 23 and a half to tie me. Yeah. I've got a quite a deficit to make up. You don't know. Baker could have a six touchdown game and put up an 85 point game and I come back and win. Woo! You're down 100. You're down more than 100. You're, you're down 123. <laughs> he just needs 52 points per player, whatever it comes out to. <laughs> and hope that Zach gets zero. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. If Rashad White gets zero, we, we might not be in the playoffs. So. Well, if Justin Field gets here, I know the Packers will be yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we'll see how that shakes up. Maybe Bryce can touch Zach's lead. I doubt John will. Uh, but, John, you can help us out with the trivia question of the week. What is our trivia question for this week? All right. So this week's trivia question is going to be which – Head coach replaced the great John McKay. That would be in 1985. Which coach replaced the great John McKay? All right. Well, thank you for the trivia question. Uh, Buck Bros, if you're listening, you can follow us at Buck Bros TB on Instagram to have a chance to win. So make sure you follow along with the trivia for your chance. We want to thank you guys for joining us on the podcast, not just this week, but all year. 
Um, we will be having hopefully a postseason episode, if not a season recap. And we'll keep with you guys as far as the Bucks go. For us, we hope you guys have a great new year. We want to say, go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Minus five and a half. We are favored by five and a half. Five and a half. Hey. You see Aaron Rodgers today, like playing Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. Epstein yeah. list. No. <laughs> I, about controversy. I would believe. I don't like Jimmy Kimmel either. I, I would believe it. Jimmy Kimmel's a bad person.